Awesome. Okay, I wanted to sing that song because that song, oh man. I feel like, I mean, we can go home now, right? <laughs> that song is amazing, and honestly, this whole, probably the last seven to ten days, I'm not exactly sure, I have listened to that song over and over and over, and so the title of this message tonight is Let It Be Done. God, let your will be done on earth and in our lives as it is in heaven. Let your word come to pass. Amen. Let it be done, and you know what? If you guys could, like, see me at my house, no one's home, I'm, like, singing that song. I'm, like, ooh, it gets me all fired up. Because listen to this. And with great anticipation, we await the promise to come. Everything that you have spoken, everything that you have spoken, amen, everything that he's spoken in our spirit, in the word of God, will come to pass. Let it be done. Every dream, everything that God has put inside us, amen, every word that he's spoken, every promise, let it be done, amen? amen. Hebrews 10.23 says, he who promised is faithful, amen? The things that he's spoken in his word, the things that he's spoken, spoken in those dreams that he's given you, in your spirit, the things that he's shown you about your families, about your relationships, about your finances, about what God has for you, your plan and your purpose, amen? Those things are going to come to pass because he is faithful, amen? And so I was, uh, hopefully, I was looking up this song, um, just going over the words, and then I found this um, it, it was an interview by Elevation Worship about this song. And um, they said, here's what they said. Um, in 1 Kings, there's a story about Elijah telling his servant to go look for a rain cloud when the country had been in a drought for three years and a servant comes back six times saying there's no sign of rain. But finally, on the seventh time, he reports he sees a small cloud rising out over the sea and it felt like a great message to center our album around that when we find ourselves in a season of drought, a season of waiting or wondering when we'll see the harvest from what we've been sowing, we can trust that God is faithful throughout it all. When a season of drought doesn't mean... Oh, okay. It is no longer a matter of if, but when. A season of drought doesn't mean the death of a promise, only a delay. Because what God promises, he'll always do. The song is about the faithfulness of God. So you can see as I'm reading this, like why I've been playing this song over and over and over. Because he says that everything in his word, that's his promises, that they will come to pass. And if we read um, in 1 Kings, we're just going to flip there shortly because I, we basically just... Um, we basically just read the, the story, but First Kings um, chapter 18, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. Okay? Now, it hadn't rained for three years, and, and earlier Elijah said it's not going to rain until he says it's going to rain. Now God said it's time for rain. It's been three years. There's a serious drought. 
God's word, right? He said, go tell Ahab there's going to be rain. So if we flip over um, into verse 18, verse 43, it says, and then he told his servant, go and now look toward the sea. So he went up and he looked and he said, "Mm -mm, there's nothing. But what did God say? God said, it's going to rain, right? So he said, well, go back again. Second time. Comes back. "Mm -mm." What did God say? It's going to rain, right? Go back a third time. Go back a fourth time. Go back a fifth time. "Mm -mm." Nothing. Okay? Nothing at all. A sixth time. Okay? So I'm telling you, this is why we don't give up on God, because his word will come to pass. Amen? And so God had said it. It didn't matter what it looked like in the skies. It didn't matter that there weren't any rain clouds. It did not matter because God said it's going to rain, right? It's time. And so the sixth time he came back, mm -mm, okay? So then it says he came back um, to pass the seventh time, and he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out on the sea. Okay, so God said it's going to rain, and all of a sudden, you see in the sky a man hold your fist out there's a cloud this big in the sky okay but God said it was going to rain and so Elijah he anticipated that God's word was going to come to pass he saw that fist in the sky and he said you better go tell them that they better run because it is going to rain and it came to pass the seventh time there's a cloud um, as small as a man's hand rising out over the sea so he said go up say to Ahab prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you Amen? Amen. He was anticipating God's word to come to pass. And so that gets me excited because I was singing, you know, this song, let it be done. Every dream, every word. And as I'm singing that, and now I will say, usually every day I get ready, I put my makeup on and do my hair. I don't ever, so it's a little process, okay? So I keep playing this song over and over. So I've heard this song a lot in the last seven to ten days, okay? So I'm singing every dream, every word, every promise. And as I'm singing it, then all of a sudden I'm starting to think, I start, you know, yes, God, I thank you that your word will come to pass. And I got to find my sheet here because I wrote. Oh, I didn't bring my. Well, I oh, man. No. I didn't bring it, but anyways, it's okay, because, so I started saying, God, I thank you that I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. Your word says that I am healed, and so I thank you. Let your word be done in my life. God, I thank you that you are my provider, and every day, you know, I just kept building, and, and then the more, the more I, I started, I actually started to write them down, and then I had so many. God, I thank you that, you know, all these things, and I just started bringing to remembrance all of God's promises. They're so good. And the more I heard it, then the more I got excited and the more I wanted to see it. And I thought, well, gosh, I can't just keep writing all these scriptures down. You know, God, I thank you that you are more than enough. I thank you that um, your word says that when I tithe and as I tithe, that you're going to rebuke the devourer. That's your promise. God, I thank you. You know, and and all these promises just kept coming, you know, over family, over finances, over our lives, over God has a plan for my life. God, I thank you that your plan is good for my life. And so I just got excited. And so I kept listening to it. Well, then I was like, okay, well, I need to, you know, I can go to my Bible, which I did. And I kept writing the scriptures down. And then I like printed off this whole big thing that has all these promises. So it's like, if you're 
you know, if you're facing addiction, God's promise says that, that he will deliver you, amen, that he is a very present help of time and need. So that's his promise to you. So if you're having those cravings or whatever, then you can say, God, I thank you. You're my deliverer. That's your promise to me. God, I thank you that you're never going to leave me. You're never going to forsake me. You can see this song has got me a little excited. Okay, I'll try to take it down a notch. All right. So, you know, and so I just wrote down all these promises and I printed out all these promises and so I kept saying let it be done let it be done I'm like preaching to myself in the mirror let it be done let, let your will be done in my family let your work your will be done in this nation let your will be done in the school system let your will be done you know on earth as it is in heaven amen and so it just got me excited and so you know I was just thinking a lot of times we sing that song and not this church and not anybody in here but you know we just it's kind of just words, you know what I mean? And we're not even thinking about all the promises of God. And so sometimes I hear things and I'm not exactly sure where this is a scripture and I don't ever recall really hearing this scripture, but I had it written down and I make notes to myself. I scribble on it. Actually, I printed my notes out tonight, but usually I just write everything down as it comes in my brain. And so I I must have heard somebody quote this scripture, so I wrote it down and put it in my desk drawer, which is stacked full of like all kinds of notes to myself. But the scripture was Isaiah 62, 6, and it was in the AMPC version, okay? And it said, put the Lord in remembrance of his promises. Keep not silent, amen? So we can remind God. We're not reminding him because he's forgotten what his promises are, right? We can remind God, letting him know, God, I thank you that you're going to do what you said you would do. I'm reminding you because I trust you that you are faithful, right? And so it's, it allows us to see a loving relationship. And, you know, I was thinking about our kids at our house. It's if we say something, they try to get us to say promise, because if we promise, then they know that it's going to happen. Well, if I clean, you know, if we keep our room clean this week, can we go do this on Friday? Or can we get this on Friday? And I sometimes maybe, okay, you know, but if I say, okay, they say promise. And I know, and they know that if I say, or Dan says, yes, promise, then they're going to get it and it's going to happen, right? And so, you know, maybe they do it Monday throughout the week. Then Friday comes when they're supposed to get it. And they say, now remember, you said that if we do this, then we get to have this. We get to, you know, go do this. And so they're not, it, they can come to me because they know that I love them, right? That I'm not going to be mad at them for asking me and reminding me, right? So, um, and they come to me and they remind me of what I said because they're letting me know that, that they trust us, right? When we say that, they trust us. And that's how it is with God. We come to him not, did you forget? It's, no, God, remember that you said this and I trust that you are going to do what you, what you said, right? And there's an example, example of this in, um, actually with Jacob and Esau. Whoops. Nope. I, sorry. Um, thank you. I am organized. <laughs> I am organized. Keep saying it. Okay. Okay, so Jacob and Esau, um, if we go to Genesis chapter 32. Now, this is the Jacob, okay, that had deceived his brother out of his birthright and his blessing, 
Okay, and so he did this to his brother, and his brother was not happy about that. It says his brother hated him, and actually his brother wanted to kill him. Okay, so he got out of there. He left his family, his home, and so now it's been several years later. He has um, a family, children. He has livestock, all these things. He has a bunch of stuff, okay? And God says, it's time to go back to your family, it's time to go back. Now, he knows that's what God said, and he knows that when he goes back, guess who he's going to encounter? He's going to encounter his brother who hates him. So God's telling him to go back to a place where there's a lot of opportunity. He doesn't know how his brother who hated him and wanted to kill him is going to respond. Is he going to take his children and, and, or take his, you know, his possessions? Is he going to want to kill him still? He doesn't know. So what does he do? He prays. And then if we go to... Um, um, 32 verse 12 he's praying and then he says for God you said I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea which cannot be numbered for multitude so he's saying now God you you've asked me you've told me you know in your word to go back so he's reminding him that because he doesn't know what how what's going to happen there but he said no nah, I'm reminding you that you said my descendants are going to multiply. And basically, I trust that you're going to take care of me as I do what you tell me to do, right? So he reminded God of what God had said. His, his descendants are going to be multiplied. You said this, so that means you, everything is going to be taken care of. My wife, uh, wives, my children, you know, everything is going to be protected. I trust you, right? And so what happened? God did it, right? He restored his relationship with his brother, and then he had favor with his brother. And so in um, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, and this is in the Amplified Version, it says, Let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. Amen. God is is faithful. Amen. His word will come to pass because he is faithful. And then if we read um, 2 Corinthians. Do I hear bass over there? Pump it. Is that? I hear bass. Woo. Thank you, Lord, for the sound system. So 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, for all of the promises of God in him are yes and in him are amen. All of God's promises are yes and amen. And if we break that down a little bit, yes or yay means sure, sure and certain. And amen means firm. Okay, if something is firm, that means it can't be changed, right? It's firm and final. So if we break that down, all of God's promises, all of God's words are sure, they're certain, they're firm. They are unchanging, unwavering, and unmovable. Amen? All of God's promises to you are sure and firm. They're yes and amen. So I wrote this down on my paper. Okay? This is a little audience participation. Okay? It's really easy. Okay? Because I like easy things. I don't... Okay? So... Will he heal you? Yes. yes, right? Will he deliver you? Yes. yes. 
Will he set you free? Yes. yes. Will he help you? Yes. yes. Will he supply all of your need? Yes. Well, how do we know this? Because he will do what he says. His word never fails. Amen? His word never fails. He's a provider. He's a deliverer. He's a savior. He's a helper. He's our strength. Everything that we have need of is found in him, and he is faithful. Amen? Yeah. Isaiah 55, 11, and this is the amplified version again. Kind of like that version. Um, says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, useless, without result without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter which I sent it. God's word will not return void. So if his word is not going to return void, what should we be putting out there every day? Speaking over our family, speaking over our lives, speaking over our, our um, finances, speaking over this nation, speaking over our president and all the elected officials. His word will come to pass. Amen? And so we need to make sure that our words are lining up with what God says because he hastens to perform his word. Now, as I was thinking about this scripture... His word doesn't return void. And I'm not sure if this is, I mean, it's not in the Bible, I guess, exactly like this. But, but our words don't return void, okay? The words that we speak, the power of death, the power of life, it's in our tongue. And it says in actually the Amplified Version of Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it and indulge it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of their words. We bear the consequences of our words. Our words are seeds. So our words either bring about the promises of God, and his promises are always good, or they bring about bleh, right? They bring about negative, right? Negative fruit. And so when we speak something, our word is a seed. That seed, good or bad, right, goes into the ground and it's a tree. And so that tree is going to rise up and the fruit that that tree bears is going to be based off what, what the seed was in the ground. Is it negative garbage? I can't do this. I'm never going to have enough. I can't pay my bills. Well, guess what the fruit in your life is going to be? I know that sounds pretty harsh, but, but we have a big part to play, and our words are so powerful. What if we changed that around and we planted, okay, we looked at our finances, we looked at our checkbook, and we planted a seed and said, God, I thank you that your word says if I tithe, if I give, that you will rebuke the devourer. God, I thank you that you are a God of more than enough. I thank you that you know my needs and you are faithful. What if we plant that in the ground? That's the fruit, and that's the, of the tree that we're going to reap, right? You reap what you sow. So we want to make sure that what we're sowing, the words that we're sowing, are words of life, that they're lining up with the word of God. Yet that scripture um, in the Amplified Version, we bear the consequences of our, our words. Wow. Amen? Amen. We got to make sure that our words... Our words are powerful. we got to make sure that they're right, that they're lined up with what God says. 
Um, and so as I was thinking this song, you know, all of these promises, yes and amen. God has such good things in store for his people. All of this, all of these promises in this book, sound mind, provision, health, it all belongs to us. Well, guess what? The devil is very real and he does not want us to have these promises, even though they belong to us, right? So he's going to do his very best to stop us because he's jealous, right? He wants him, and he knows he's never going to be able to have him. So he's jealous of you, and he wants what, be what belongs to you, right? So he's going to try to stop you from possessing the promises. But see, the thing is, he doesn't have any new tricks, okay? So the things that he's been doing all along Old Testament till, till now, there's really nothing new, right? And so if we go to um, Genesis, again, chapter, one, chapter 3, I know this is like basic word, but, <laughs> but I don't know. It just got me all fired up, and, and so I'm like, okay, God, your word is truth. So um, if we read Genesis chapter 3, it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than the beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the servant, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you, sh you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the, when the woman saw that the tree was good. It looked good, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree, the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit, and she ate it. So let's go back to verse 1. No new tricks. The serpent, he said, did God really say that? Did God really say that you're healed? Did God really say that he's going to provide? Did God really say that? Did God? So the first thing he does is the devil gets, wants us to question the word, right? Yep. So then we go to verse 4. I know we're going to skip, and I know that Eve misquoted the word, um, but we're going to go to verse 4, and it says, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. So now he's contradicting the word. He's a liar. There is no truth in him, right? So he tells us the opposite. You are going to die. You are not going to make it. You are going under, right? Did, did God really say that? Then he, then he contradicts us and tells us, because he can't tell the truth, there is no truth in him, he contradicts the word and says opposite of what the word says. And then we go to verse 5. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So he's saying, um, does, I mean, does God really, it, it makes you question God's love for you. Because if God really loved you, why would he not let you have that? Why can't you eat that fruit? I mean, the fruit looks good. Does God really love you if he's withholding things from you? He's not letting you have that. Right? He makes us question the word, then he contradicts the word and puts that inside of us, and then he makes it us, God doesn't love you. He's not for you. 
I mean, look, look at, you know, God's not on your side. So, and then if we read, um, we're going to go back to verse 2, and this is verses 16 and 17. And I'm just, it says, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden, you may eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in that day you will eat of it and you shall surely die. Okay. Now listen to how that was worded. The Lord God said, okay. So then if we go over to chapter three, verse one, here's what the snake, the serpent, the devil said. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the, which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said to the woman? So it was Lord God, and then it went to God, okay? And so as I was looking this up, um, what, the, what the devil did was he got Eve down on his level. Because if you look up um, Elohim, that's the word... For God, okay, and it says Elohim, general name of God, and used in the context of God as creator. It is used to describe God as awesome and majestic creator. Elohim translates God. So Elohim, the devil said Elohim. But in the in the chapter two, it was Yahweh Elohim. And Yahweh is the Lord. It's a personal name used in the context of God having a relationship with his people. Different names reflect different attributes of his character. But the first relationship, it was relationship. It was Yahweh Elohim. It was Lord God. They had a relationship. But then the devil brought it down to God. You know, just he made it not personal. And so that's what the devil does. He, he makes God seem like he's distant, you know, that you don't have a relationship with him. You can't rely on him. Did God really say that? Well, if God loved you so much, then why is this happening? He makes you question, and then he, makes, then he contradicts, and then he makes you feel distant from God, right? Where, where God says, I'm a very present help in time of need. He is Lord God. We have a relationship with him, a relationship that the devil will never, ever have, right? So that's one of the tricks that he uses to stop us from having all of these promises, from st from, um, to stop us from possessing all of these things that belong to us. Another trick that he uses is he gets us to focus on what we see and, um, instead of what he said, right? So let's go to Numbers chapter 13. Because what does he want to do? He wants to distract you from the truth, right? So Numbers chapter 13, verse 27. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. The fruit is good. God told them, you get to possess this land. This is your land. All the fruit in it, and it is good. It all belongs to you. And they saw it, and they said, yeah, it's good. But here's the thing. Nevertheless, 
The people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Well, what does that matter, right? We don't go by what we see. We go by what God says. And what he said was, this is your land. You can possess it. So then if we go down a couple chapters more, or not chapters, verses, sorry. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they spied out, saying the land um, through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are the men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from, and they came from, and we are like grasshoppers in our, in our own sight, and so um, we are in their sight. We're just like grasshoppers. So yeah, you know, this is what God said, but what does the devil want us to do? Get our eyes off of what the word of God says and what God has said and what God has promised and to get our eyes over here on what things might look like or what somebody else said or what somebody else experienced. Really, but what does that matter? If God says it, he's going to do it, and that is the final word. And so the devil wants us to get our eyes off of the truth of his word, off of these promises belong to us. He doesn't want us to be focusing on those problems. He wants these promises. He wants us to focus on everything else but that, right? And he's really good at it. He puts a lot of things out there constantly bombarding us, trying to get our mind off of what God says. It's not a new trick. And then what happens is we you know, God gives the word, we get distracted by looking around, what we see in the natural, what people have said, and then all of a sudden, um, it causes us to reject the word. Because look what, and this is, this to me is like such a sad state, because if we go to um, Numbers 14, and we're going to read 7 through 11, it says, and they spoke to all the congregation this, and, and of the children of Israel, saying, the land we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good. You know, they have people that are, that are, no, this is what the word says. The land is good. This is what God says. It, um, if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Okay, then they're having people that are reminding of the, of the word. This is what God says. No, you know, look at what God's, God says. Take your eyes off of what you saw, right? This is what God says. And you would think that they would be like, oh, that's right. This is what God says. No. And the congregation said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared. They were mad. Don't, they didn't want to hear it. Don't tell us that stuff. This is what we saw. And all of a sudden they're rejecting the word. Because then if we go down, it says in verses 11, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will, I, um, will these people reject me? If they're rejecting him, they're rejecting the word, right? So all of a sudden it goes from distraction, getting our eyes off the truth of his word, to all of a sudden it's like, no, I don't need, that's, no, I don't want to hear it. We want to do what we want to do. We reject the word. So they forfeited God's promise. The promise was for them to, to go, right, to the promised land, to live there, to possess it. They forfeited that promise, what belonged to them, because of unbelief, because of doubt, because they chose to take their eyes off of what God said. They rejected him. 
If we go to Hebrews now, we're going to flip over into the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 3. Hmm. And then it says, it all, it's all talking about how they were disobedient and they hardened their heart to what God had said. But then in 19 it says, so we see that they could not enter into the promised land. They could not possess what belonged to them because of unbelief. And then if we go over to verse 2, it says, or chapter 4, verse 2 says, For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. The word profits us nothing if we do not stand in faith Walk in faith. Speak faith. Amen? We take possession of all that belongs to us by faith. We obtain the promises through faith. Amen? And so I just want to encourage you, just a couple of things. Our words are so powerful. Our words have to line up with the word of God. Amen? Our words are seeds, and so when we plant those seeds, we better make sure that those seeds are, gonna, are the fruit that we want to bear in our lives. Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if things are coming out of us that are negative and doubtful and full of unbelief, then what we need to do is feed ourselves up on the word of God. Amen? We keep continually inputting the word of God and inputting the word of God and eating the word of God. We read the word. We listen to the word. We speak the word. Amen? Because there's a lot of things fighting for our attention all the time. But we have to keep this first and foremost in front of us every day, right? And so we need to fill up with the word because eventually, if we're full of the word, then eventually what comes out of us is going to be the word, right? So it's very important that, that we stay full of the word, full of faith. Amen? Because just like, I, I just want to, just singing that song and then meditating on his promises and then like more, he would bring more to remembrance and then I'd write it down. And I was like, I was so excited. This was after one week. Imagine if we just every day put the word first and foremost in front of us. Every day we walked by faith and not by sight. We believed that God's word was truth, right? No matter what we saw, no matter what people said. Ha! You think other people wouldn't want what we had? They'd be like, what is it? I gotta have it, right? It's exciting. We can anticipate all the miracles of God. We can anticipate God is gonna provide. God is gonna do what he said he's gonna do, amen? So, Proverbs 4, 23, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Amen? So make sure that what is deposited into your heart is good, is the word. And the second thing is, okay, uh, stop complaining. Just like the children of Israel, right? <sighs> Why? I mean, okay, this was an 11-day journey that took 40 
years, okay? And then they didn't even get to enter the promised land because, why? I mean, things were better back then. Why are we, you know, why are we at this place in our life? Why? Uh, uh. Complaining about everything, right? And so 1 Thessalonians says, 5.18 says, In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. Now, we're not thanking God. Oh, God, I thank you. I'm going through a challenge. This is awesome. We're thanking God that we trust him, that he's going to get us through the challenge, right? In everything, we give thanks. 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 <laughs> we give, we thinks we give thanks. We give thanks. But honestly, I'll, I mean, just a little thing about this. Um, Grace hurt her knee a couple weeks ago, and and um, it was all swollen and everything. Took her to the doctor. And they did a, oh, a, no, they did an x-ray first. And they're like, well, you can't see what's going on because she didn't have a bone broken. But her knee was, like, really swollen. So then we um, go back, make another doctor, doctor's appointment. To, and then, then they say, well, she needs to have an MRI because her knee is really swollen. It shouldn't be that swollen. So the whole time, I'm like, okay. You know, I'm, I'm believing that, okay, it's, it's going to be okay. God, I, you know, and, you know, it's not getting any better and all this kind of stuff. We go back to the doctor to get the MRI results. I'm like, because the swelling had gone down a little bit. So I'm like waiting for the good word. And he said, well, she tore her ACL and she tore her meniscus and she tore her other meniscus, which is going to require stitches inside of her knee. So it's a long recovery, you know, and I was like, I wanted, you know, it's like, but that's not what I was believing for, <laughs> you know, and so it took me a minute, and then I was like, then I wanted to cry, because I was like, oh, I don't want her to have to have surgery, and, uh, and she was like, she's looking at me like, mom, are you going to cry in the doctor's eyes, like, she, and then after she goes, I thought you were going to cry, I would have been so embarrassed, you know, <laughs> so I'm not going to complain, you know, and then I was like, okay, um, so I said, well, I said, we could believe for healing. And I said, just not do the surgery. And she said, Mom, we thank God for good doctors. And I was like, okay. I said, so I'm in agreement with you that, um, you know, and I do thank God for doctors. It didn't, it didn't happen like I wanted it to happen, but we've had the, a great experience with our doctor. Everybody's been on top of things. She's okay with it, you know. And so I'm like, I could have been like complaining, but, but God, why did you, why did this happen? You know, but. I'm standing on his word, okay? She is healed through surgery. It's going to be better than, you know, it was before. It's going to be a supernatural recovery. They say, you know, nine months before she can do anything. Well, that's what, she, that's what doctors say, but I rely on what Jesus says, you know? And so I'm just confident in him. I'm not afraid for her. It's just like I'm trusting him, you know? So what if instead of complaining, you know, we just turn it around and, and start thanking God that he's... He's, gonna, he's still in control, right? He's not going to leave her. He's not going to forsake her. He's got her all taken care of, right? And so don't complain, right? Just give thanks in everything. We give thanks because we trust him, right? Because he's faithful, because he's going to do what he said. The next thing, we got to walk, we got to live, we got to speak faith, right? There's, there's not any room to like... Because the devil is so, 
I mean, like, he wants to kill us. He wants to destroy us, right? So we got to make sure that every day we're walking, we're living, we're speaking faith. Because Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Amen? So everywhere that we go, we are walking, speaking faith. Amen? Believing that God's will will come to pass. Believing that he's faithful. And the last one, anticipate his word coming to pass. Amen? Because a lot of times we see the word and we, you know, we know what the word says, but we need to see it and then be expecting it to happen, right? We're anticipating his word to come to pass. We're looking forward to it. Let your will be done. God, I thank you that your will is going to be done in my life, in my family, in this nation. I'm looking forward to all the things that you're going to do. I'm looking forward to the miracle working power of God, right? To be loosed everywhere that I go. Your will be done in everything. So how do we know what his will is? In his word, right? His word is his will. So everything in here, and there's... This is his will. His will is to restore. His will is to give victory in every area of our lives. His will is for us to have a sound mind, for have the, to have the mind of Christ. His will is for us to know that his plan is good. His will is for us to not be weighted down with troubles and cares. His will is for us to be full of his perfect peace. Amen? His will is good. And so we have to be anticipating good things to happen to us. Be anticipating his word to happen. Amen? Now I want to go back to the very, I am organized. Got too many papers. Okay, must be this one. Okay, so the title this evening, Let It Be Done. And with great anticipation, we await the promise to come. Everything that you have spoken will come to pass. Let it be done. Every dream, every word, every promise, let it be done. Amen. He who promised is faithful. Yes. Amen. So, all right. That's all I got this evening, but I dare you to go home and listen to this song over and over and then start thinking about all of his promises and then start singing to yourself and preaching to yourself in the mirror. And <laughs> Let, or, um, there is a cloud by Elevation Worship. Amen. There is a cloud. So let's all just bow our heads this evening. We're going to pray. Father, you are so good. We just lift you up in this place this evening, Lord. I thank you, Father, for each person that's here this evening, Lord. And I thank you that they'll know your unconditional love like never before. They'll know your goodness, Lord, your mercy like never before. I thank you, Lord, that they'll know that you are for them, not against them. And I just thank you, Lord, that your perfect will would be done in their lives, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for peace. I thank you for joy. I thank you for healing. I thank 
thank you for hope. Lord, I just thank you that with you all things are possible to him who believes. And right now we just bind every lie of the enemy, Lord. Anything that would try to get our eyes off of what you had said, Lord, I thank you that right now that you're showing us what that is, Lord, and we replace it with the truth of your word, Lord, because your truth brings freedom, Father. And I just thank you, Lord, that you'll have your way. I thank you, Lord, for close relationship with you, Father. I thank you, Lord, that we'll put your word first and foremost in our lives. I thank you, Father, that our words will be words of life. I thank you, Lord. Have your way. And I just thank you, Lord, right now, that if there's anybody here this evening that feels distant from you, Lord, that they've never accepted you as their personal Lord and Savior, Lord, I thank you that right now, that that tonight is the night of salvation, Father. I thank you that they'll know that they're loved by you. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you right now in your presence that you'll lift every weight, every care, every burden. Thank you, Lord. Our confidence is in you this evening. You are so good, Lord. We just put our eyes on you. Thank you, Lord. Everything that you've spoken to us in your word. Thank you, Lord. It'll come to pass. All the dreams that you've placed inside of us. Dreams for our families. Dreams, Lord, for our future. I thank you, Father. They'll come to pass.